Joker has generated so much press even before its release. The think pieces coming out of it are insightful, if not surprising. What I am surprised about is that you actually wanted to join me for this one. I'm surprised that you wanted to see this one. I mean, it falls under the superhero genre, and we all know how you're even more burnt out than I am. Fair, fair. But it is the Joker. And honestly, the last comic book movie I really liked was The Dark Knight. If your idea of a DC movie is awesome jokes with a little bit of wit, a bunch of CGI, bright skies, and wonderful finales, this is not going to be your movie. To me, it was more like my other passion, which is like true crime and serial killers. It's like what makes a killer, nature, nurture, a bad childhood, or a trauma. But in saying that, I went in kind of already drained between all the news articles and debates and hype and even the talk of advanced security. Yeah, I mean, I'm also feeling very tired, too, of these very intense emotional characters spiraling films and we're just at the beginning of said award season where we get a lot of these so I'm not sure I'm ready for it Uh, I can't say I just I wasn't ready for what the Joker gave me okay well before we uh, delve into our reviews uh, she's Kaylee I'm Tuesday grab your drink and maybe a snack this is whiskey and popcorn Joker is the origin story of Batman's arguably most iconic nemesis, directed by Todd Phillips, who's known for such films like War Dogs, which starred Jonah Hill and Miles Teller, which we saw a few years ago, Tuesday, um, as well as The Hangover Parts 2 and 3, and Starsky and Hutch. Joker is considerably darker and very humorless compared to these other films. Now, Joaquin Phoenix stars as Arthur Fleck, a man who becomes the Joker. Arthur is scraping by in Gotham City as a clown for hire. He is supporting his mother, who is practically bedridden. Really, I got a lot of Norman Bates vibes with that. He's plagued by mental health issues, and it is and it is a near constant state of isolation when he's not with his mom. That can be physically or even emotionally. Well, why don't we hear a clip from the trailer? Arthur, I have some bad news for you. (laughs) This is the last time we'll be meeting. You don't listen, do you? You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. And finally, in a world where everyone thinks they can do my job, check out this guy. When I was a little boy and told people I was going to be a comedian, everyone laughed at me. Well, no one's laughing now. You can say that again, pal. It's so awful, isn't it? 
So you can really hear Arthur's cry for help there, his frustration. And Director Phillips really takes his time in laying down the foundations and really the justifications of how and why Arthur becomes the Joker. We see that social services are just gutted in Gotham, which is hugely affecting as that's who Arthur goes to to get therapy and medication for his various mental ailments. But on top of that, the city is also boiling over with social unrest. Not abnormal to Gotham, let's be honest. There are riot scenes and that are very similar to like the 1968 feel, like the various race riots of 1960. There's a huge gap between rich and poor. Uh, super giant rats that are literally taking over the city. The whole place is on the brink. And Phillips makes a huge point of showing us that gritty ugliness of society. No one is kind anymore. And this is something that Arthur just obsesses over constantly throughout the film. And it really is a central theme. Where, where is the kindness? Where is the humanity? So first I thought it would be good to talk about the things that we really liked and what worked for the film. Yeah, so to start off with, big thing that jumped out at me right away was the cinematography is just, stunning's not the right word, but like just poetic. Um, the types of shots we were getting, we were not getting like giant cityscape shots, but the way the camera would move through a scene, you can actually see it in the trailer where you see Arthur in the HaHa's ha entertainment where the, the rent-a-clowns are, putting on his makeup. And you have all the other clowns kind of around him, behind him. And he's at this station with the mirror. You see the window of like, it looks like Brooklyn Bridge, we'll be honest, but like the underbelly of like a bridge. And you could just see how isolated he is in that shot. And the way the camera just kind of moves in and like everybody disappears from the frame is just very telling uh, of the psychological state that he's going through. So stuff like that. And, you know, we're used to Gotham being dark, but it's just extra bleak in this, in this film. And yeah. I expect it a lot to be dark, but there's just this, like, forlorn sense with Gotham right now. Right. And I think if you compare it to The Dark Knight, which visually, the lighting was super dark in that film. But this film, it's not like the scenes are physically dark. Like, there's plenty of lighting. And I think that's what's a little bit jarring, is that the opening scene, he's holding up a sign for a store that's closing, a bunch of kids come and jump him. And, like, that's really jarring. It's happening in broad daylight. But colors are muted you feel very gray throughout the film that that grittiness is all over the place and the colors only come through I think really when you have his sort of he's trying to either paint his face literally in some of these scenes but you know put on a happy face that veneer of trying to bring happiness and joy but it's it's caking it's flaking off See, I saw a, a light transition when he starts to become more outgoing, you could say, as becoming the Joker. Because, you know, we have the dance scene down the, the staircase, and, and you start to get a lot more light towards the end, which makes me think that we're seeing that full transformation happening. Yeah, and it is just, it's interesting how the lighting and the colors and the cinematography all play into that. The other thing that I really liked a lot in this film was the music choices and the 
composition of the just the orchestral music. So there's like a lot of like big band swing songs that get a whole new meaning yeah. <laughs> in this movie. Uh, but there is that theme of bringing the clowns. And as someone who finds Collins send in the clowns to be one of the most beautiful songs of our lifetime, well, even before <laughs> I was born, it to see it manipulated how it is was so beautiful and it, jarring it, too. Yeah. Oh, totally jarring. And I and I'm not a musicologist by any means, but it sounded like they took that music, which is sounds like it's played in major, which is usually the more happy upbeat. But for all the orchestral stuff, they played it in minor, which gives it that much deeper, sadder tone to it. And you'll just you'll notice it. It doesn't. It's not invasive, but it really melds well with the storytelling. And I really appreciated that. I want to talk about the next thing that I thought was really well done, and that would be Joaquin Phoenix's role. Personally, I I thought it was the best part of the movie. And there are a lot of supporting characters, but let's be honest, this is a one-man show. Yeah. And it's, it's hard because, of course, you're going to compare it to Heath Ledger's performance. And for me, I do think it rivals Heath's performance, but it doesn't imitate it in mm -hmm. any way. Yeah. And it, I think it respectfully stands on its own. Yeah, I would agree. Like they're they're both very powerful performances, and you can tell. It seems like both actors, Heath and Joaquin, got very meta with this mm -hmm. and method. Even uh, Joaquin looks like he lost a ton of weight. No, who knows how much of that was movie magic and how much of that was real? But he really just does this very intimate breakdown of somebody just losing their mind um and he is the real star i mean we do have some other big names in here uh as well like robert de niro's in here he plays like this television personality francis conroy plays his mother and then we have zazie beats who plays this sort of love interest that he has but it really is the joaquin phoenix movie and I think it goes to show that the isolation of the character and the isolation of him, I really like that. I still though think, personally, I like Heath's performance more. Fair. And I think this leads into my like serious critiques of the film as a whole. Sure. My biggest, well, I have several big beefs, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, but one of my biggest beefs is the fact that this film really does not have that fantasy element of a superhero movie. I felt like I was watching a biopic of somebody in New York or New Jersey or Chicago spiral down, down, down. Felt very real. Like there, there was none of that fantasy of, of the superhero genres that we get. Like The Dark Knight sort of had this veneer of we're clearly in an alternate universe. This The Joker did not have that. No. And I think that really disturbed me a lot going back to like I don't think I was ready to see this downward spiral of a human being like I just wasn't mentally ready I've seen films like this before and they're always so draining you get out of this film and you're tired and while we will preface with if you bring your child to this movie I question your parenting yeah please but don't <laughs> it's not as violent as I assumed it would be if anything it was more 
I was anxious because I was like, what aspect is going to finally make him snap? Like what, yeah. like you're literally anxiously just waiting for, it's not when you get beat up. It's not when you find out this or this about your childhood. It's not, it's like, it's like what is going to make him snap? And mm-hmm. you're just waiting for it. And it's like this slow build that's really exhausting to watch. Yeah, and, and for me, that's also kind of like another point less because I'm like the pacing felt very monotonous and just plodding. It's almost like they were laying it on too thick. Everything that was going wrong and stewing and stewing and stewing and feel like we were getting nowhere. And that might work for some people, but that just wasn't working for me in this film. I just was like, okay, I feel I feel the hour has passed. Yeah. Now it feels like an hour and 30 minutes. Now it's two hours. Also, the love interest, Sophie, the neighbor, that was so unnecessary. So incredibly unnecessary. If you needed to cut time in this two and a half some odd hours, you could have done it with Sophie. It was just so unnecessary. She added absolutely nothing to his character. How they hooked up didn't make sense, nor work, nor was believable. And she, not that... I don't want to knock the actress because I think she did the best she could with what little role she had. But, like, if she wasn't there, we wouldn't have lost anything. She was not crucial to the film. And the Joker doesn't need a love interest. No. And as a side note, um, another critique on not the actor but the character, I found Robert De Niro's character to kind of be a little clunky. There was just something off that I just didn't particularly like. And I know he's kind of supposed to be a jerk and he's kind of supposed to be that that other that the Joker hates. But like, yeah, it, it, that, that was the word. It just came off clunky. And I think that's a lot of issues with this film. It does. It was slow and then there were, it wasn't handled with finesse. Because mm-hmm. like all, all these triggers that he's supposed to be happening, I think if it had just been a little bit smoother knitting together, and I feel like it, that boils down to the director in the direction. because um, so the components were there, but it just didn't gel mm-hmm. very well together. But I guess I could say my biggest critique of this film is the fact that I worry that this film will fuel the debate that mentally ill people shouldn't have access to firearms because they're gonna go on a shooting spree. I just, there's already so much rhetoric around gun control and the gun debate and mental health. You look at the statistics, mentally ill people, the fraction of them that become violent and actually shoot people is, I believe, in the single digit percentages across the whole country. Most are not going to pick up a gun and start killing people. No matter how much you want to try and make those connections, there's always there's always something wrong. It's usually a... a I guess a behavioral lack, but I would not necessarily say that it's a mental health issue. And it really bothers me that this film will pour fuel on that fire. With that being said, I did appreciate its timeliness and the fact that it really is in the light right now and paralleling with, well, we're cutting funding and you no longer have money for your meds and we can't help you. Like it's, that's so completely today and where we're not putting correct funding in the right places. Uh, So if anything, I kind of played it off as timely. And I definitely, the producer was trying to toy with the fact that there were parts where we were gonna feel sympathetic for him. And there were times where we were gonna say, 
he's a product of his upbringing or of society. And then there was parts where it's like, no, you're just pure evil. And I really did teeter between those. Mm -hmm. And that, like that, that's what an emotion, that was an emotional journey for me through it was I did have those sympathetic feelings. See, and I did not, I did not emotionally connect with him at all. I don't know what that says about me. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) But um, I just, I could not, I could not get on his side at any point. Like it sucked to watch him be beat up and, and lose what little support he had. But also I feel like, again, I was unsure of what his issues were because it was never clearly laid out what exactly his mental health issues were. That It was never said. So I could only assume was some sort of possible brain damage and anxiety and paranoia. But like, I don't know. I, I don't know what he's taking medication for. And, you know, his social worker, even when he had her, sucked. (laughs) So, like, I never got anything out of that. So I I feel like a lot was kept from me that I feel like would have helped me connect more with the character. That's fair. Kaylee, I need a drink. After that movie? Hell yes. Yeah, hardcore. (laughs) What are you shaking over there? Well, I'm going to go with the theme of the movie, and I'm going to have a Catwoman. Ooh, what is that? I want to know more. It is two ounces of bourbon whiskey, and then you're going to throw in some sweet vermouth and creme de cassis, and just a little fresh squeeze of lemon juice, and then after you shake it all up, just a dash of bitters. Mm. Um, for me, I'm going very on the nose with a Joker cocktail. Ooh, okay. Um, Something tells me this is bright. It is bright. Although, when you Google Joker cocktails, it's always, like, from the Suicide Squad. This one is not nearly as obnoxious, but it does have a bright green element. So So it's not, like, like chemical compound, like, neon green? It's not like the Tim Burton Joker, where it's, like, neon green and purple. (laughs) What not? But this is apple vodka, the green colored. There's your green. Obviously. Coconut rum, about a half shot of red cordial, um, some curacao, a couple shots of orange juice, and it sounds like a kick in the teeth. And you kind of need that, I think, after a movie like this. Yeah, that's totally less sugary than I was anticipating. So that's a good call. Yeah. Um, Also feels like a vacation with the coconut, and I need that. Well, that's it for this review. Thank you so much for dropping by. Make sure that you follow us. We are online at whiskeyandpopcorn.org, also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And feel free to listen to us on any of the normal iPod stations that you listen to, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you at the movies. Bye.